My name's Joseph Gallivan, and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is Janine Jablonski. She's the senior director of I Love You Too, an art gallery at 925 Northwest Flanders. And Janine is talking about the show I Am a City of Bones, which runs now through January 13th, 2024. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus in person again, Janine. Yeah, no problem. I'm always happy to participate and talk about the work that we have on view. So you have a a great group show here, Um, probably a dozen pieces. I think there's 10, a dozen pieces, yes. I think there's 10 artists. One of the things that I notice both in a group show and a solo show is that there takes some, there often takes time for the staff and the artists to digest the show. And we just opened the show on Saturday with a beautiful performance live by uh, an artist, Corinne Hamilton. So I honestly am still in the process of digesting this show that's taken, you know, I've spent the last like nine months, I think, putting together conceptually but now it's in the space in the round and we're still digesting the work and making connections between the artists Um, and it's exciting to be finally have the space open and have people have like a very incredible response the opening was one of the best that we've had it's only our fourth show here Um, so it's also just really gratifying that people are responding to the work that we're doing here at the gallery Mm -hmm. Cutting edge contemporary art. I don't, I don't know how you would, how else you could define this gallery. That, feel, that feels uh, very relevant. Yeah, we're just keeping up on what people are making currently. I would say we also, yes, we like to also show work that asks questions, um, and we like to support the artists that we exhibit with generosity. So I can go through and tell you a little bit about the impetus of the show. Yeah, the title is I Am a City of Bones. Yes, I often like to use poetry as a beginning point. I know where I, like how I want to situate and what a conceptual kernel was. And the actual beginning of this show was that a very close friend of mine and a colleague here in Portland um, had a really major health event and surgery over the last year. And when... They did a scan one of those times. Um, the doctor said to her, your ovaries were disturbed. And I thought that that gave such a like eerie, weird nomenclature to an organ. That just seemed so strange. And I found this incredible poem by this very well-known poet um, called Flux by Afa Michael Weaver. And I can read that to you, and you'll see where the title of the show mm-hmm. comes from. I am a city of bones, deep inside my marrow, a song in electric chords, discrendo to mute, rise to white noise, half silences in blank harmony as all comes to nothing. My eyes, the central fire of my soul, yellow, orange, red, gone in an instant, then back when I am, for a glimpse, as precise as a bird's breath, when I am perfect, undone by hope when hope will not listen 
the moon wasting to where I need not worry that bones turn to ash, brittle staccato in dust. I mean, if that's not the beginning, uh, I don't know. I had see, see, see much, so much conceptually and visually in there. It was so rich. It was really easy to take artists that I knew that I wanted to work with and weave them in, to, in with other artists that came to view over that kind of nine months to a year period. As you come in the door and you turn to the left, it's always the first wall by your office here. Um, you have a big piece by Morgan Buck. It's called Single Entity Hand and Flower Hybrid Number One. And it's a big white hand. It's a must be a blurry photo of a hand that happens to have, I think, 10 fingers and one thumb. And this hand is holding a, a red flower, like um, a geranium maybe, with a black center to it. Uh, it's airbrush blurry, that kind of soft focus. And the hand skin is, is a sort of veiny, very pale white, um, sort of artificial looking hand. I had Morgan on a show a few years ago and his thing was he would grab pictures off the internet, sort of mess with them mm -hmm. digitally and then paint them yes, with, a, with a, a airbrush. Yes, that's exactly, he, that is exactly what his practice continues to do. You're talking about a disturbed organ. Like I instantly would go to someone like Morgan to try to go through and see what he might have um, in the studio that would connect to these ideas. Mm. What I find interesting about his work is that they, when you are eight, ten feet away from them, they read almost photographic. But as you get closer, it's really clear how it's created, that it's created with an airbrush. You're looking at a hand that has way too many digits mm -hmm. and that is also looks, this one looks like it's behind some sort of material, like you're looking through a window or something. I love the work. I also need to put a little spot in here to say that we're really excited to present Morgan Buck alongside Ido Radon here in a couple weeks at Nada Miami. Uh, December 2nd through 7th, I believe, are the dates. Oh, you're off to a big art fair? Yes. So it feels really exciting to me to be presenting and introducing Morgan's work to an international audience for the first time because I think people are going to eat it up. What is NADA again? NADA, the New Art Dealers Alliance. They are, a, a, this is their 21st year. It is in Miami, aside from Art Basel, Miami, they are the other fair that people look to and what they are are it's the fair that shows emerging um like you know the price point is oftentimes lower than the main fair but it's really they're showing like the emerging voices and talents and it's where collectors go to find those mm -hmm. those new artists so, so the gallerists there probably don't know the work that no. other gallerists are bringing no, they don't. And for me, it's interesting. For me as a gallerist, like a longtime gallerist, that's one of my favorite things about art fairs is that you're, you're not only going and you're presenting your artists, but it's also you are seeing thousands between all of the fairs. You're seeing thousands of new voices all in one place that you wouldn't, it would take you years to go and travel. And so you're connecting with colleagues that you know and getting introduced to artists. And then you're going and you're meeting new people and you're making connections for your artists. I understand it 
is a big marketplace, I understand why sometimes some artists and people don't like to go because it's really intense and it's very market driven. But for me, who, someone who the work, the artwork is at the core of what I do, I see so much work there and it's so inspiring. It is very market driven, but mm -hmm. it's also there's very cool people and very uh, incredible work all in one place. Next to it is a photograph called Confection. It's by Dylan Beckman. It's from four years ago. And I saw this and thought insulation because this is pink, fluffy stuff. But then I realized it's probably cotton candy. Um, super in-focus cotton candy where you can see every fiber of the spun sugar. And there's lots of interesting shadows, changes of pinkness, and the candy has its own gray shadow it's sitting on a bed and it's sitting on a new york times folded over on a bed sort of unmade bed and what i loved about this is that kind of super high focus photography remind always makes me think of advertising and mm -hmm. i always think what are they trying to sell me by taking mm -hmm. such care but in this i i don't really feel like i'm being sold to it's more like hey, look at my crazy idea for a photo, mm -hmm. you know, bedroom cotton candy. I know that this, I hadn't talked to Dylan about this piece until she got here, and I know her, it was really about the celebration of this material that is cotton candy and what, what that brings to you even as an adult if you kind of have these memories of this super sweet, beautiful thing. So I know that a lot of it is, in her mind, just a formal celebration of that. When I saw this photograph, it did a couple of things. One, you know, when you're talking about body, sometimes you're talking about a loss of body. You're talking about loss. You're talking about death. And this piece really brought me there. And it, and it also had a nod to the artist Felix Gonzalez-Torres in it, in my mind. Um, that those are the two reasons that I brought it into the show. I mean, there is this sort of like creature-like shape. I think pink, we can go tongue, we can go orifice. With, but to me, this is the piece in the show that represents the non-body, the absence of body. It could be like ectoplasm. Yeah, that's true. But it also is, people, even at the opening, were talking about it being insulation. To me, it feels like, I mean, they, the material looks very similar, except maybe you wouldn't want to put insulation on your bed. <laughs> maybe, that's the, maybe that's how we know what it is. <laughs> that's worse than bed bugs. <laughs> there is a... Um, Juliana Huxtable. Oh. There is a large photograph um, in a big kind of rough wooden frame with some badges around the edge about reptiles. It's a, a woman on a bed with a bum in the air. She's got kind of plastic stripper heels, green. She's kind of painted green and lizard-like um, and her head's on the bed. And Everything has either a kind of green light across it or a pink light. There's a, a kind of flowery um, beaded curtain in the background. And the woman's hair is uh, braids, which have been bleached and then grown out. The, the roots are growing out. It's just a, a strange kind of sleazy kind of hotel look. Um, you know, woman offering herself up in a way 
but it has this lizard overlay, which yeah. is very, very confusing. Yeah, there's also a button at the top that says, I love human, uh, reptilian humanoids. That is, uh, I mean, that's at the core of the work. This work, this, this work is very strange. Her work is really, I would say, slippery and mercurial. Um, and her as an artist, she um, is also a DJ. She has a huge cult following of artists and other musicians. What kind of music? Uh, I think that's a really good question. I don't know. But we've been, we had been talking, my, my colleague and I had been talking about Juliana again, I would say for about a year because she does this, um, she has this project where she does a durational DJ performance where she's in the space for like days at a time. Um, and I loved the idea of doing something that strange and subversive. Um, but her, the shout out to Juliana is that she has her first major institutional exhibition that's traveling for the next couple of years. It's at, it started in, it opened in September at Fotografskia in their new space in Berlin. Then it travels to Stockholm and then it uh, ends up in their space in New York in 2025. My name's Joseph Gallivan. You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is Janine Jablonski. She is talking about I Am a City of Bones, a group show which is on now at I Love You Too in the Pearl through... January 13th. Through, through January 13th, 2024. Okay. There is a sculpture here um, that I, I really like. It's that white coated wire that you'd make like a shoe rack out of. It's a, a sort of a tall phallic kind of shape. Um, and it's all handmade. And within, within it, there are these twists and turns. Um, the whole thing stands on its own. But within the body of it, there is this black silicon tubing that's been wrapped in and out, woven round and around, almost at random, in, in a kind of entrails in the body kind of manner. Um, just tell us a bit about this artist. Um, Isabel Yellen is a Los Angeles-based artist. She's She has quite an extensive exhibition history. And what I found through getting to know her the past maybe four or five months is that she's also one of those artists that everyone knows and loves, which I, she's delightful in person. And she also um, just knows every artist, every art worker, and no one has a bad thing to say about her. Um, I, which is just lovely. It's a, it's, I love getting to know artists in that, in, in relation. And when I met her, um, first we met over Zoom and had a really intimate conversation about, um, womanhood and bodies and motherhood and loss and mothers. Um, and then I met her in, Los Angeles a few months back and it was still it was same you know we have a business meeting but there's some relationship that you can just instantly jump into this really intimate personal connection and I think part of that is that and it, that's also at the the core of her work it's about body and memory and loss but I will say um, the filmmaker Steve and Doughton 
had this thing to say about her, this piece that I can't stop thinking about. He said, it looks like a hanging rack for your nervous system. <laughs> and I, like, if there was a ding buzzer that was like, yep, that, that feels like such a perfect description. Is that the piece. Earthlings director? Yes, he, okay. um, Steve Downton just, uh, we just premiered his film Earthlings uh, last week at, gosh, that was only a week ago, at um, Cinema 21. We debuted it here in Portland. If you have interest in screening that at your theater, please touch base with us via our website. Next to that, we I'm going to jump ahead a bit. Um, there is a black circle of, I think, card, or maybe, oh, it's, it's some kind of uh, rubbery plastic, and it has some holes in it that look like a little face, a bell where a mouth might be, and then it's held up by a wooden clothespin, the kind of classic type with no spring that you just push down onto the line and the clothes. Um, and this is called... This, is un this piece is untitled. It's a new piece. I found out about Mona's work um, through a gallery in New York that she had shown with Carrie Schuss, and I was really taken aback by the, the work and the materiality of the work, and I did a little research and found out that she had, um, she has quite an extensive history as a fashion designer for, there's a clothing line that she had for over a decade that was an incredible fashion line, but a few years ago she closed the line quietly and um, really started focusing on the work. And I, there are certain artists that you see pictures of their studio or you visit their studio and the whole, like their entire life is their practice. That's what Mona's studio felt like to me. That when she sent images of her home, which is also her studio, there was just these, I feel like the artist Blair Saxon Hill is another artist where I, when I'm, was in her studio, there's objects and um, relationships and connections. And so there was a piece, um, which is also in the show, this, this sort of um, made with horse hair that I knew that I wanted in the show, but I was trying to decide some other works because I had seen you know, images of the studio and had these conversations. I love a mask. It's something if you were to look at my career over 20 years, it's something that has come up over that time. It's popped up rhythmically throughout the years. Um, and I thought this piece, especially in rhythm with these large works like Morgan's work and Juliana's massive work and Timothy's massive, like these pieces have such a weight. And this, I, this piece of Mona's I think really holds its own, but it also has some levity involved, which I appreciate. It, and it's also kind of macabre. It could really go, and it's, but it's playful mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, I guess it is a mask or like a fan, you know, something you hold a peg and brandish it. The holes in the eyes make these white circles of light and shadow on the wall behind because it sits off the wall about half an inch. But it's totally different from the horsehair thing. I mean, let, come over here, let's have a look. Two big kind of horsehair kind of buttocks mounted on a wooden, I don't know, a chopping board. And they're divided by this brown ribbon, which looks like a kind of woven nylon ribbon. It falls to the floor and it's tied sort of irregularly. It's just this mass of spherical horsehair. 
I mean, the the through line with these two pieces and the rest of her work is just the the deep materiality and the exploration of material. Like those are the threads. It, to me, it feels like she's picking up the material that feels best to present the formal idea and that it doesn't matter if it's ceramic or a ping pong board or like a clothespin and a ribbon. It feels both like it was created today or like it could have been made 80 years ago because the materials are also very timeless and also very simple. Mm -hmm. But they both have a materiality that makes you want to touch it and ask questions about it. But formally, they're both very simple as are their materials. Like, what is the what is the way that I can work with these materials best formally without, uh, without all the excess? That's what I was attracted to in the work. Mm-hmm. Do you like the kind of minimalism that she makes very little intervention with, right. with the materials? That the gestures are slight, um, and even in that slight gesture, there's a lot to say. Mm-hmm. The photographer who did the cotton candy also has a piece on this uh, right side wall called pedicure. Uh, pedicure. Mm-hmm. It's um, a woman's feet kind of pushed together. The toes are divided by some kind of white fabric. And the pink toenails are not really pink toenails. They look like little bits of pink plastic that have been cut off and bedazzled on the end. A parody of a bad pedicure. What's this titled? Well, this is pedicure, and I this piece, I think, represents both the beauty and the grotesque that we connect to our own bodies. I think this the adornment of these feet that has is like quote unquote beautified, but it's also super ugly. And it's on this very really strange, like almost like faux marble or marble background. It almost looks like a studio portrait, mm-hmm. but it um, it has all of the elements of a pedicure, like the things that you put between your, but as you get closer. Honestly, this piece, when I chose it, it's because um, it, it felt like a, like an, a connection to the gallery's owner, Ali Ferlotti. There's something about it that like really connected me to her and her brain. And I was like, sometimes it's like, oh, like let me put this note in because it feels like, like other people will love it, but it, it, there's, it's also a conversation between myself and her. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you have an incredible amount of leeway putting together a group show like this. You know what I do? I have been uh, in, I, this is my 20th year in the arts, and I've worked in nonprofits and in commercial spaces, and th- the amount of trust and that I'm given by the owner of the gallery, gallery, Ali Ferlotti, is something that I haven't experienced. I, you know, I've been in other positions where I've had a lot of, I think the difference is, is that I'm given a lot of creativity and I'm, I am asked for my opinion and really trusted, but I'm also, she gives me the room and also gives the gratitude alongside it. The theme is the body and there's this piece, which is, uh, Print is it? What is it? It, is, it has a really specific um, type of work. It is a dye sublimation fabric SEG print. Uh, Timothy works in video and sound. Tim- um, Timothy Tim- Yannick Hunter is his name. It, it, it's a big kind of gray and pink. Um, it looks like a painting, I guess, and um, there are a lot of teeth. And again, it's this kind of glitchy imagery where there are too many teeth, and they're also kind of 
chopped up, so they, they're poking through the, the, the lips and the gums in other places. And then there's this writing on it, it looks like tip T-U, and then gonna be a, gonna be a great, great. So everything's kind of cut up. What? His work is very clearly digitized. He's pulling and collaging. Um, there's like a very specific name for it. Um, but he's using photo stamping here. And like those of you who are familiar with even Photoshop as a tool, the ability to sort of take a digital piece and put it next and just continue the imagery. Um, he's pulling images from uh, the black and African diaspora. And a lot of what he's pulling and a lot of what I see the palette is from um, former advertising that he's pulling from like ads from the 80s and you're getting this like very specific tonality that I think now in the digital age is more difficult to get in print we just don't see it anymore the newspapers are different and the magazines are different so newspapers yeah exactly newspapers what a novel concept um, newspapers aren't printed that way everything has gone digital even former color photocopies were printed differently. And so artists, it makes a lot of sense to me that a young artist now is looking back at former imagery to get, especially someone who's, who is um, grabbing and collaging both digitally and um, non-digitally, that they would be attracted to the print quality of that time. Mm -hmm. The last piece we'll look at is a small maple wood box. It sits off the wall by about four inches. And in it is uh, blue kind of tights, you know, like semi-transparent nylons, light blue. And they're all twisted and pulled in different directions, mostly on a sort of flat plane. And then in the back, there's a trace of a mirror. It's a, it's a very beautiful sculptural object. It's called Gossip Falling from the Sky, and it's by Martin Soto Clement. Yes, Martin is an artist, and also um, Martin and Chris Sharp formed a, a really influential gallery in Mexico City called Lulu. So he's someone whose work that I've followed for over a decade. If you know the work, you know about, you, you can, in, alongside his name, you can picture these series of works that are made with nylons, that are made, um, and sometimes they're in these box forms, sometimes they're much more sculptural. So when I, again, was thinking about artists that could connect with body without it being like just a simple representation, like what is connected to body, I've always thought that his work was very bodily, both in material and also he's creating these orifices. So that's what I'm very excited to have this piece here. And it's been great to have people respond in kind. It's a phenomenal work. It's very, it's, it's, I would say it's small, it's petite. There's an intimacy to the scale of this one that I just adore. We also, in the show, is Janine Marsh, who is another Toronto-based artist alongside Timothy Yannick Hunter, um, and Pace Taylor. Pace Taylor is an, uh, an incredible artist. They work with uh, May at Nationale, and they have a solo exhibition coming up at Nationale, I believe, in early January. I've long appreciated the work. I'm excited to be collaborating with May um, and that we consigned the work and that we're working together. People have, people's response to Pace's work is just as mine. It's, it is awe-inspiring. It's beautiful portraiture. My name's Joseph Gallivan. You've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week was Janine Jablonski. 
She's the senior director of I Love You Too, a gallery at 925 Northwest Flanders in the Pearl. And Janine was talking about the group show I Am a City of Bones, which runs now through January 13th, 2024. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus again, Janine. Thanks so much for having me, and maybe I'll see some of you in Miami in a few weeks. Bonus content. We have to talk about the elephant in the room. You had a uh, performance here on opening night. It's gone now. What, what was it? It looked like a naked woman lying on a couch. That is correct. The artist Corinne Hamilton. Corinne is an artist who actually came to us and was working um, with us at the gallery when we, when we first opened. And one day we had a slow day and she said to me, would you ever be up for doing a studio visit? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And we ended up, I think in that same conversation, just really fluidly because those are kind of the best conversations. She um, just started talking about ideas that she had had and she had ruminated on for years, you could tell. And it was one of the best, like, quote-unquote, studio visits that I've ever had in my career. I could really see the work that she wanted to make, and I also felt the importance of the work that she wanted to make. So Corinne wanted one of her ideas, and the one that we commissioned and brought to life um, just this last Saturday, is a piece called The Sleeping Hermaphroditus. It is uh, based on an ancient sculpture um, a marble sculpture that has often been replicated and that Corinne had thought a lot about and seen and collected all of these images of. And one of the things that she noted is that it was often when it was presented, it was shoved in into a corner or in, like it's basically the, the genital area of this nude hermaphrodite was shoved in, in against a wall so that you couldn't get this, this um, 360. And she was like, I want to perform that. I want to recreate that. And I want to be that body. Um, like as a trans woman, I want to be that body in the space. Um, and I, it's a piece that I thought have thought a lot about. And honestly, alongside the, uh, the poem and the disturbed uterus, Corinne has always been central to my thinking about this body show. I felt like the piece is very brave, very necessary, and that also we were the gallery that could commission and present this type of work. So I want, but I often believe that, uh, I always believe that if the artist has writing on their own work that it should be in their words. So I just want to read a little bit about that performance in Corinne's words. She writes, Corinne Hamilton writes, in recreating this infamous sculpture from antiquity as a performance piece, I seek to reclaim the spectacle of bodies like mine. As a transsexual woman, my physical form represents a lived dichotomy wherein I am both, wherein I am both pariah and possessor of desire, divinity, and unwanted mystique. What I find most beautiful about the ancient statue is that she is sleeping peacefully, despite esteemed institutions with global notoriety describing the figure as seductive in their documentation. It was very apparent to me that um, that perception and further the responsibility of that perception falls upon the viewer and not on the subject, who is quite literally just existing. Um, yeah, that was very powerful to think about. We as an audience are fascinated by the spectacle of the trans body, so much so that we can only frame our understanding of the image as pornographic. 
as we force ourselves to sensationalize a perfectly rational deviation from what is considered arbitrary, quote-unquote, normal in order to justify its value. There is nothing more innocent than a person sleeping, and it's raw, and it's functional, and it's vulnerable. It is a space in which we are allowed to dream. It is that between space from which we came and which we will return. So we, I worked with Corinne um, for a couple of months to recreate that. I mean, how can I not? Like, as a, someone who's put together exhibitions for, I don't know, like 20 years, um, it felt like a real privilege. She's also incredibly professional, and I'm excited to introduce her to colleagues, and I'm just thrilled to be working with her. So we worked on, what we did was that this, it's a marble sculpture that was, that was shown on a plinth. And so what Corinne wanted to do was create, like recreate that, but with real fabric. So we created a plinth that had a matching custom mattress that matched the exact mattress that was created in marble. Um, so we, I, when I was in a, when I was visiting another artist in Los Angeles a few months back, Corinne and I went to the fabric store and we matched the linen fabric for the mattress to her skin, like in, you know, we like hiked up her dress and matched the skin in the middle of um, um, the fabric store. We found that we had a great upholsterer that we work with here that recreated that from an image. Um, and we worked together as a team um, to make sure that the performance was activated and also a safe space was created for Corinne. So we had two separate times during the opening where Corinne was on and in repose and sleeping as the sculpture was. And it was the first showcase of that is that we had her just begin the opening being up on, so no one saw her get up on the plinth. So they just walked in and they're like, what is this? So I knew that there would then be questions like, is this a sculpt, is this a real person? Or is it, a, you know, Dwayne Snyder made work in the 90s that everybody questioned, like, is that a person with a shopping cart or is it a sculpture? And I knew that that would happen. So again, we, we had uh, made sure that she was safe and had security, but we did have people get really close and see if she was breathing. Um, and then she was there for, I think about, I think she rested for about an hour and then we came, I dressed her, she went up and took a break. And then the second performance was a completely different experience for the audience because she came out. We brought her out, um, I helped her disrobe and she positioned herself. And when people are expecting a performance, like with a capital P, they, so the whole room got silent and waited for her to perform. And it was really beautiful because her, she was, again, just in repose, she was just resting. And that was such a beautiful, it also just felt really powerful in the room to just have all these eyes. And it was such a kind, respectful audience. We couldn't have asked for anything more. It was a very powerful experience for our, for Corinne, for all of the I Love You Too, staff. I got to give a shout out to Pith and Madison and our owner, Ali Ferlotti. Um, yeah, we worked hard to make it happen and the Portland audience really um, made it a very special performance. And you were talking about Corinne Hamilton's sleeping hermaphroditus. Correct. Yes. And we will be, Corinne will be re-performing that at the end of the exhibition, which is looking like that final, on that final day, which is January 13th. So watch our website, watch our Instagram, which is ily2.ily2, 
and you can find out more information about that upcoming performance. Andy Wawo looks a scream. Andy Moan, I woe. Andy Wawo, silver scream. Can't tell them apart at all.